Welcome. Glad that you're here. I feel like we should try that again. Good morning. There you go. Yeah. Good. Glad that you're with us today. If you're a guest of ours, we are especially honored to have you with us today. I know several families are traveling and, and, and here visiting some families. And I know we've got some of ours that are gone somewhere else visiting as well. So it's good to be together this morning. We are talking this month about Christmas road trips. And I began this series by asking a question or two and sort of verifying the fact that we all have memories of Christmas road trips. Whether it was when you were a kid with your family or now that you're an adult, you know, with your kids. or We, we all have sort of memories of the excitement and the frustration and the chaos of Christmas road trips. A fourth grade teacher was asking her students after the Christmas break if any of them traveled during the holidays. One little boy raised his hand and he said, yeah, we went to visit my grandmother in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She said, wow, that's great. Can you spell Minneapolis, Minnesota for the class? He thought for a minute and he said, actually, I think we went to Ohio. (laughs) But most people know about taking Christmas road trips, right? We travel. That's what people do. Around the holidays, people travel. That's why around the holidays, I try really hard not to travel. But I mentioned at the very beginning of this thing, and I reiterated it last week, when you think about the birth of Jesus, everybody there was on a road trip. Everybody traveled to get there. The shepherds traveled. Last week we talked about the wise men. They traveled to get there. Even the angels traveled to get there. And of course, Joseph and Mary absolutely had travel to get there. This morning I want to talk about one person in the story of the birth of Jesus. And I'll see if you can guess who it is. I'll give you a hint. It's the only woman in the story. Any guesses? Just a wild guess? Mary, yeah. A lot of men in the story, but only one woman that really has a major role in the story of the birth of Jesus. But of course, without Mary, it would be a very different story, right? And I mentioned last week that those wise men were on a road trip of hope. We're going to see today that Mary is on a road trip to faith. And when you think about it, for a young Jewish girl, Mary did a lot of traveling. She was a young girl. She did a lot of traveling. She found herself on the road quite often. She finds out she's pregnant. She hears that her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. So she hits the road and travels to Judea. She stays there for a while. She travels back then to Nazareth. A ruler that she has never seen, will never meet, decided that a census needed to be taken. So when she's nine months pregnant, she travels with her Joseph to the town of Bethlehem. Uh, About a week after she gives birth to a boy, she travels to Jerusalem to the temple to present that baby there at the temple. Travels back to Bethlehem. She finds out that Herod wants to kill her baby, so she hits the road again, travels to Egypt. She stays in Egypt for a while. She ends up finding out that it's safe to return. So she goes back to Bethlehem, back to Nazareth. First time we see Mary, first few times we see Mary in the Gospels, she's always traveling somewhere. She's on the move. Which seems a little bit appropriate because when you talk about faith, you really can't talk about faith without talking about movement. 
moving, going somewhere, doing something. You know, the Bible never did tell us to sit by faith. But the Bible does tell us that we are to walk by faith. You think about all those faithful people that we read about in the Bible. If you had to kind of come up with one individual that you would say, okay, this is the individual that really demonstrated a tremendous amount of faith. Somebody that always everybody points to is this is the person that is really kind of the epitome of faith, maybe even has a nickname about faith. Who would you come up with? Who would you point to? Yeah, Abraham, right? Sure. He's the father of the faithful. And one of the stories that we talk about Abraham makes him so faithful is the fact that he was willing to go when God said go. When God said move, Abraham was willing to move. Look at what Hebrews 11 verse 8 says. This is from the message. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel. Abraham moved out of his comfort zone because he trusted in the promise of God. Abraham decided the promise of God is worth the move. And when I say the promise of God, I'm not talking about some wish list. I'm I'm talking about the power and the desire and, and the will of God to do something really wonderful for a future that had maybe a, a difficult past. By faith, Abraham believed that God had the power. And God had the desire to speak into his life, to speak into his story, to speak into his past. And offer these wonderful options for a tremendous future. That's the promise that I'm talking about. No, faith is the capacity to embrace that promise. The capacity to believe that God really does know what He's doing. And that God really does want the best for me. Being so convinced of that promise that you'll pursue God's will wherever He tells you to go. Wherever it might lead. Which is exactly why, and you've heard me talk about this before, you look in the Gospels, Jesus never once told anyone to accept him. Jesus never said, you need to accept me. Now you hear that from people today all the time, you need to accept Jesus. You never heard that from Jesus. Jesus never told anyone to accept him. Jesus told people they needed to follow him. And following him means moving, going somewhere. You can't follow someone and sit still. We get that, right? You can't follow God and sit still. I think that's why Mary is called to be a woman who is so highly favored. Remember, that's the angel Gabriel. That's how he started his conversation with Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Mary was highly favored because Mary didn't just believe in God. She believed God. And there is a big, big difference. There is a huge difference in believing in God and believing God. Mary believed God to the extent that she decided that the journey that he was asking her to take was worth whatever it might cost her. There's a lot of things that we can learn about Mary and her road trip uh, to faith. But the first is this. Mary believed that nothing was impossible with God. It's very interesting. You read Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. And Luke does kind of a neat thing. He contrasts Mary's response to a supernatural birth with 
the uh, priest Zechariah's response to a supernatural birth. Zechariah is told that, that his wife is going to have a supernatural birth as well. Zechariah was a priest, uh, served uh, the Lord. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. They were both elderly, both well beyond childbearing years. Elizabeth was barren. And an angel, the same angel, by the way, Gabriel, come to Zechariah and said, your wife is going to have a child. And notice the priest Zechariah's response. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day, until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Zechariah, this holy man, this priest, he's in the temple. He's serving the Lord. Uh, an angel comes and says, your wife is going to have a child. Zechariah says, shut up. <laughs> the angel said, no, you shut up. And he did. Until the baby's born. Why? Because Zechariah did not believe the word of the Lord. But listen, before we throw Zechariah under the bus here, I get it. I have, I, I, I'm with Zechariah on this. I, I, I see why he has some doubts. I mean, you think about he and his wife, elderly couple, barren, unable to have children. I mean, they'd given up on that dream long ago. And then an angel shows up and says, your wife is going to have a child. I get it. That would take a leap of faith to believe that, Right? How much more (laughs) if you were a young girl who was a virgin and an angel showed up and said, you're going to have a child and he's going to be the son of God. How much more of a leap of faith would that take to believe that? Because that's what the angel told Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. You think Mary understood everything that that uh, angel told her? Okay, got it, great. I've never been with a man, and yet I'm going to become pregnant via the Holy Spirit. And the child that I uh, have is going to be the Son of God. Got it. Do you think she understood all that? Do you think she understood the implications, the ramifications uh, of what the angel told her? Of course she didn't. But Mary doesn't base her response on her ability to completely understand every point that the angel has made. She bases her response on God's ability to keep his promise. She bases her response on God doing what he said he would do. She bases that on the belief that nothing is impossible with the God that she serves. Mary knew the word of God. You know, you read Luke's version of her song. We sang part of it just a minute ago. It's filled with references to the Old Testament. Nothing is impossible with God. Same thing that, you know, God told Abraham and Sarah 
when uh, he said they were going to have a child and they didn't believe that it was possible. Mary didn't just believe in God. She believed God. It's kind of amazing, really, when you think about it. God's eternal plan to redeem all of mankind hinges on the consent of a teenage girl. So Mary becomes pregnant. She takes off to Judea to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. Elizabeth says that when you walked in the room, Mary, the child in my womb leapt for joy in the presence of the child in your womb. Do you know that the very first person on earth to rejoice at the coming of Jesus was in the womb? You think about that the next time someone tries to convince you that life in the womb isn't precious. And that life in the womb doesn't matter. It is. And it does. Mary believed in a God for whom nothing was impossible. Notice what Elizabeth says to Mary. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You believe that God would keep his promise. There is a huge difference between believing in God and believing God. All of those Jewish people in Nazareth, they all believed in God. But Mary's the one who takes the road trip. Mary was highly favored because she believed that God would do what he said he would do. A lot of people today, they believe in God, but they don't believe God. That's why a lot of people hoard their possessions. I'm just going to accumulate all my stuff. I'm not going to share with anybody. Uh, I'm not going to be generous. uh, Count me out when it comes to tithes and offerings. Even though God said, you give to me and I'll blow you out of the water. I will bless you. They believe in God, but they don't believe God. So they stay stuck in their greed. I talk to people, I I talk to Christians who in their relationships, whether it's a dating relationship or marriage relationship, you know, there are issues of abuse. One of the spouses or one of the partners is controlling, manipulative, immoral. Even though God said, I want you to treat each other with honor and respect. I want you to treat other people better than yourselves. You husbands... I want you to treat your wife. I want you to love her the way God, the way Jesus loves the church. He gave himself for her. They believe in God. But they don't believe God. And they don't treat people with kindness and gentleness and respect. You know, I've talked to people who, are, who have been deeply hurt by someone else. And Jesus said, you need to forgive that person. You need to love your enemy. You need to pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said, I will bless you if you forgive others. In fact, I will forgive you in the way you forgive others. And they believe in God. But they don't believe God. So they show up at church, you know, and they're unhappy and hateful and bitter and frustrated. And they're just kind of stuck there. 
Stuck because they're afraid if they move in the direction of God, God won't show up? <laughs> Maybe if they move in the direction of God, God will show up. You know, Mary knew that the road that she was going to travel was going to be hard. She knew it was going to be difficult. I think Mary's one of the bravest people in all of Scripture, not just women. I think she is one of the most courageous persons, people in all of Scripture. The angel called her blessed, and she was. But I want you to think for just a minute what that blessed life of Mary looked like. What that blessed life meant. It meant being pregnant before she was married. And if you think there's a stigma involved with that today, think about 2,000 years ago in the Middle East in an honor-based society. It meant a very difficult trip to a town where she didn't know anybody, had no family, no friends, giving birth in a very uncomfortable situation. You know, the cards that we send out this time of year make the manger look like a really warm, cozy place. It was a barn. It smelled. It was dirty. It meant a fugitive lifestyle. On the move. For a while, on the run. From people who wanted to kill her new baby. It meant lifelong poverty. And it meant a lifetime of stares and whispers People questioning her past. People questioning her morals. It meant years as a single parent. With sibling rivalry. Her younger sons had a real issue with, you know, the oldest boy. It meant watching people that you knew all of your life try to run your son out of town the first time he comes back home to preach a sermon in the synagogue. And then finally, it meant... Standing at the foot of a cross and watching your son die. Welcome to Mary's road. You know, that's why that, uh, when, they, when they take Jesus to the temple and the old man Simeon takes Jesus from the arms of Mary and he prophesies over the little boy and then he looks Mary in the eye and said, a sword will pierce your soul. And maybe that's why the very first thing that the angel said to Mary when he approached her was, don't be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. Because when God calls you to follow him, newsflash, it is not always blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. Sometimes it is hard, and sometimes it is very hard. Mary had a choice to make. Are God's promises worth it? Is it worth it for me to give up my safe, secure, predictable future to do what God is calling me to do? Mary believed that nothing was impossible with God. Here's what she decided. I'm the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to do whatever He wants. Instead of praying the most common prayer ever prayed, Lord, thy will be changed. <laughs> she prays the most faithful prayer that was ever prayed. Lord, thy will be done. And by the way, she taught that prayer to her boy. Because three decades later, he'd pray that same prayer in the garden. 
You mothers that are teaching your children to pray. It is a blessing. I'll tell you something else about Mary. She didn't just believe that God was able to do the impossible. She believed that God could do something impossible through her. When you think about it, Mary became the very first person that Jesus lived inside of. She would not be the last. Mary is on this road trip to faith. And the announcement by the angel Gabriel was a foreshadowing of what God wants for every single person. Jesus in you. Galatians chapter 2. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 8. Since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive because you've been made right with God. And I know that people in this room believe that intellectually. You, you believe in the theology of the indwelling of the Christ. I know you believe in it. But do you believe it? Do you believe in the reality of Christ in me? Jesus living in me? Because I think most people, and, and maybe most Christians, we have a hard time kind of deciding what's possible and what's impossible with God. You know, I can't break away from this sin. I can't overcome this temptation. I can't kick this addiction. You're right, you can't. But Jesus can. Jesus lives within you. I can't get past it. I can't get over it. I, I can't forgive her. I'll never love him again. You're right, you can't. But Jesus can. And Jesus lives within us. If you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you. I told you, everybody in this story traveled to get there. Jesus traveled the farthest. And since Jesus didn't stay where he was, we don't have to stay where we are. That's why Paul talks in Colossians 1 about the mystery. And then he tells us what that mystery is. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the story that's being told this time of year, it's good news. But it's not just good news because Jesus came to be born here. It's good news because Jesus can be born here. Inside of believers. God wants everyone to have a merry Christmas. Christ in me. This time of year, and only this time of year, we quite often sing the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. If I were to ask you what that song is about, most all of you would say it's about Jesus being born in the little town of Bethlehem, and you would be half right. Because that's what half the song is about. Half of that song is about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. The other half of that song is about Jesus being born in us. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Let's pray. 
O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the heavenly angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Amen. Let's stand and sing.